the hills. From whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord. He said, I'm going to just look at the Lord. He's beautiful. I will lift up my eyes and I will behold his beauty. But another place he said, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Then he asked a question. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? Have you ever gone shopping? Anybody ever gone shopping? And they ask, could I help you? No, I'm just looking. Because your wallet dictates, <laughs> I can't buy in today, but I'm just looking. But if I ever get some dough, I'm going to be right back with you. But isn't it good to go in? Could I help you? Yeah. See, there's a difference in looking and going into. Some of you are window shopping. We're glad to have you. I hope that you like what you see in the window. But if some of you want to go into the holy place, before we leave here today, we're going to ascend into the hill of the Lord and stand in his holy place. And I'm going to buy into everything God's got. In fact, I'm at, a, I'm at a point in life right now that I can go into the store and buy anything I want without looking at the price tag. That's a good place to be in life. If you're at Dollar Tree. <laughs> I just go in Dollar Tree. I don't worry about what it costs. I'll take one of them and one of them and two of them. But now if I'm at Neiman Markup, it's going to be a little bit different. I can't, I, can't, I can't do all that. Hey, I'm glad to be at New Life in Universal City, Texas. Wow. I want the team back there to dig up the last sermon I preached here. I don't know what it was. I'm never going to preach it again because I ain't been back in 20 years. I'm off of probation, and I don't ever want to be on probation again <laughs> for 20 years. Man, I, I came in the early days of this church, and I looked online. I said, they moved? And did y'all ever? Y'all moving on up. I don't know if y'all on the east side or not, but y'all moved on up. And I'm glad to be with my great friends, Pastor Dwayne and Tammy Lowe. Who Lowe, I'm glad to be here with them and their beautiful family. We do go back a long way. We raised them in Mississippi. We taught them how to talk and how to walk and how to live in Texas. And they invited me to come back. And, I'm, man, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just fired up to be here. I'm a traditional pastor. I wear a tie every Sunday, and I didn't wear a tie. Don't, don't let us get out in Tupelo because they'll think I done backslid. If you're bad this year, you can't backslide. Y'all just slide back. See, our, our church, it, it, we're made up of Baptists and Pentecostals and Catholics and Church of Christ and heathens, of whom I am chief, <laughs> But we're glad to have all of you, and we're going to have a great time in the Lord today. I do have a word from the Lord, well, more than one word, uh, but I promise to let you out by in time to eat dinner tonight. Don't move to the back row and slip out on me. 
I'm known uh, in, in our area as the preacher with short quotes and long sermons. <laughs> I wrote this little book. It's called Quips, Quotes, and Questions for Christians. Okay, you, you got it. If you live in Quebec or feed ducks and get quacked up, you, you, you will like this book. This book is full of short quotes. I got some in the back, and uh, if, if you want to pick one up, uh, if you want to pick it up and set it back down, it's fine, too. I, I'm not trying to sell anything. I, I, don't, I don't need your money. But there's some fun stuff in here. There's a lot of great, of, of great quotes, uh, and I'm, I'm just appreciative of, of the Lord giving me these little quips, quotes, and questions for questions in Universal City or wherever else. If you want to pick one of those up, it, it's fine. Anybody want this one? All right, here. Yeah, I saw your hand first. Can you catch? No, no, I don't throw to ladies. I, I hand it because if you were to miss, that would embarrass me. Thank you. All right. All right. God bless you. Hey, I'm old school. So would you stand one more time for the reading of the word? And I'm going to get right into the message. My watch says it's uh, about seven minutes to 11 o'clock and I'm on central standard time. How many of you will give me 30 minutes? It's 30, 60, 90. I, I, <laughs> See, some of you are scared. Hey, don't be scared. You, 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 will, you will think this will be a short time when God gets through with you. I'm going to the book of Jonah. It's somewhere in the Old Testament. Just find it on your phone, on your iPad. Uh, if you want to read your Bible on your iPad or your phone, it's fine. Just don't make grocery notes while I'm, while I'm preaching. Act like you're taking notes on my sermon because there ain't no butter and milk and candy bars in this. Just, just let's have a good time. Jonah 1.1, 1, 1, now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. And Jonah said, I'll be right there. Mm-mm. Now, I know that you're not guilty of what me and Jonah have been guilty of. How many has ever, you don't have to raise your hand and say amen, but how many has ever run from the Lord? It's okay. God is the only person that you can run from and to at the same time. Amen. He rose to flee from the presence of the Lord, and he went to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found the ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare of and went down. He kept, the boy was going down. And he kept going down to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord, isn't he merciful and gracious? But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. And there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid. Anybody ever been afraid in a storm? And they cried every man unto his God. See, everybody's crying unto something or someone. They just don't know who they're crying to. But they were about to learn something about the true God. They were crying unto his God, and they cast their wares. Let me break this down. Everything that they possess, all of their possessions, you have to understand these guys were, were mariners. They were gone for long time periods. They brought most everything they owned with them. And because of someone else's disobedience, they lost all their stuff. They cast their wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. 
But Jonah was gone down into the side of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. For a few minutes this morning, I want to share with you the shape I'm in because of the ship I was in. All of us are a product of things that we have been through. And the shape I'm in is because of the ship I was in. I was not in the wrong ship. I was just in there with somebody or something that shouldn't have been in there with me. And it's made me what I am today. Lord, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your supernatural anointing. God, you didn't come this morning to break yokes. You came to destroy them. Because the yoke is destroyed because of the anointing. For the next few minutes, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And let somebody understand today that you sent me here to help them with the shape they're in because of the ship they were in. In Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> this is one of the most familiar stories in the Bible. And if you are a minister or a preacher or a pastor or an evangelist, an apostle, a prophet, if you've ever preached five times, you preach from Jonah. Because Jonah is the man that you preach about. You, you know, when you begin your ministry, my first sermon was about the prodigal son. I preached, there's nothing in the pig pen for God's children. When I was 16 years old. That was my title. There's nothing in the pig pen for God's children. When I listened to the reel-to-reel tape... <laughs> See, some, some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about, but I, you that laugh and y'all, oh. They taped me on a reel-to-reel, so when I preached that message again, I said, I should have called it some way, somehow, because I said, some way, somehow, every other sentence, you need to be, get out of the pig pen some way, somehow, and follow Jesus some way, somehow, and some way, somehow, I'm still preaching after all that some way, somehow. I don't, but, but the prodigal son and Jonah, oh, oh, sometimes we preach about Jesus, too, you know, <laughs> Preach about, but everybody's preaching about Jonah. But recently, God spoke this to me, and he said, I want you to reread this story. I've read the Bible through multiple times, but it's called the living word because when you read it, it's like, when did he put that in there? And it's been there all the time, but you, it just wasn't spoken to you. And so I looked at this story, and, and God says, I, I don't want you to look at this through the lens of Jonah. Jonah has been the main character of the story, and everybody preaches about Jonah. We know, and Jesus talked about Jonah. We'll talk about that momentarily. But there were other people in that ship that were impacted by and affected by Jonah being the main character of this story. Now, how many of you know that everybody's life is just as important as somebody else's doesn't matter if you are uh, on a ship and a fisherman, whatever it is, you're just as important as Jonah. And the Lord really worked me over with something that I've never dealt with from the story. I want to say this in the beginning. None of our lives are perfect. If you say yours is, your imperfection is lying. So none of our lives are perfect. And I knew when God gave this to me, now I, I'm, I'm a guy that prays, you know, I'm a pastor, I, I, get, I think I should do that every now and then. But every week I pray, and one time I fasted. You know, I, I believe in teamwork. I love how y'all prayed for another church. And so we're, we're a team. 
We're a team, so the, Jesus says that we're supposed to pray and fast. So I tell you what I'll do. I'll pray if you'll fast. We'll, we'll, you know. Hey, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God some questions. But my, my number one question is, why did you call it a fast? It should be called a slow. Now, if you don't fast, I don't even want you participating in this part of the service. But if you fast, does anybody know how fast time goes normally? If you want time to stand still fast, and it'll slow, it'll go way slow. I even drank a slim fast one day thinking that would, that would count, and I stayed fat after a slim fast. It, it didn't work that But anyway, there, there are questions that we all have for God. And when I was praying and fasting, the, the Lord said, I want you to look at this. And then God downloaded something in me. This message began from me. I preached it to me. I repented and gave an offering. And I re really repented because, so I will go ahead and tell you, what God showed me in this sermon was it was 100% uh, for me. And then because I downloaded it into my spirit through the help of the Holy Spirit, I'm able to share it with you today. I shared it with our church at Word of Life Church, the greatest church besides this one in the world. And Tupelo said, I love those precious people. My 80-year-old my dad is preaching in my stead today, so I'm, I'm so honored to have my mom and dad there with me. But let me preface this message with a disclaimer. I do not blame others for my personal mistakes. And I've made some. Some of the things that I've walked through in my life were self-inflicted, and I take personal responsibilities for my own failures. You have to do that. Take responsibility. However, with that being said, I've gone through some stuff I did not create. I've gone through some things in other people's junk because I was connected with them. I had to go through stuff because they went through stuff. It's kind of like if you have a headache because your head's attached to your body, your foot is impacted too because you're all a part of the same thing. You can say all day long that your lifestyle does not affect anyone but you. Have you ever heard somebody say that? I ain't affected nobody. This is my Mississippi talk. Y'all talk better in Texas. I ain't affected nobody but me. Yes, you are. You're affecting a whole generation of people you are impacted by your decisions. If I was preaching at Word of Life Church today, I would say your stupidity. But since I'm in Texas, I'll leave that word out. All of these people in the ship were innocent victims. Now, we're in an age where there's a lot of victim mentality. Everybody is a victim of something. But these guys were a victim of a, a preacher, a man of... God, you know, you really spiritual if you say, man, of God, you got to have about 15 syllables on God. You're really spiritual. He was a man of God. And there's nothing, nothing in the world worse than a preacher that's out of the will of God. You ought to thank God every day for a pastor that's in the will of God in your life. But I will tell you, there's been times that I've wanted to get on a ship and get shipped on out away from everything and everybody because I was tired. I didn't want to do what God asked me to do. So Jonah got on this boat, but it, it impacted everybody 
these guys were innocent victims of Jonah's rebellion of running from God. They were victims. As I said earlier, they were gone for weeks at a time. They took everything that they owned with them when they went. Heirlooms, extra pair of clothes, extra pair of shoes, love letter to their girlfriend, or a love letter they got from their girlfriend. Everything that was important to them, they took with them because they were gone for so long at a time. And the Bible says in verse 4, the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. There was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was likely to be broken. When you're in a storm, something's going to break. And it's probably going to be you. It's a time of brokenness. And, and the mariners were afraid, and they cried, every man to his God. They were praying to whoever they could pray to. And one by one, they said, all this stuff in the ship is weighting us down, and we've got to get rid of it. When you are about to die, it doesn't matter how much is in your 401K. Is it okay to have a little fun? I'm just me. I heard about a man one day that he, he kept... He was an older gentleman. He kept going up into the attic. His wife said, honey, what are you doing? He said, I'm putting my money in the attic. She said, what are you doing that for? He says, because when I die, I'm going to take it with me. Sure enough, he died. Here she goes up the stairs, <laughs> wondering if he took it with him. There it was, thousands and thousands of dollars still in the attic. She was happy that it was still there, but she said, I knew he should have put it in the basement. <laughs> if you don't get that, it's okay. You can't take it with you when you go. When you're at a time of brokenness, it doesn't matter how much you got in the bank, where you ate last night. It doesn't matter where you're going to get to go next week, if you can take your family vacation or not. Whenever things are broken, you throw everything out, get rid of everything that's weighting you down, and nothing else matters but your relationship with God. At the end of your life, that's all that's going to matter. So these guys begin to throw their heirlooms overboard. They threw their clothes overboard. They threw their love letters overboard. They, they threw their last pair of shoes. See, y'all thought I was going to say something else, didn't you? I know how y'all think in Texas. Through it all, they, they, lost, they lost everything. I've been at a point in my life where I've lost everything except the main thing that I have in Christ, my relationship with Him. And when you lose everything, you begin to, begin to blame other people. And you, it's, it's Jonas. It doesn't matter whose fault it is. You're all going down. There's a storm. You can point your finger all you want to, but Jonah's about six feet away from you, and you're in the same boat. Now you have to figure out a way. We're all in the same boat together. We're either going to all die together or we're going to all live together. What do we do? And Jonah was asleep. I don't understand that. If I have a little something in my life that I feel is out of kilter, I can't sleep. I must be living for God because Pastor Lowe had to wake me up. I wake up at 5.30 every morning, and this morning at 7 o'clock, he knocked on my door. He wanted me to come eat a cup of coffee with him. 
And if y'all don't know what eat a cup of coffee is, you never drink the good stuff. If the best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup, God bless you. You have a rough life. I was sleeping so sound this morning at 7 o'clock. It felt good. And he should have said this. What, I love the King James here. What meanest thou, old sleeper? <laughs> Don't try waking your wife up like that in the morning. What meanest thou, old sleeper? Because she can be meanest. Arise, call upon your God. Oh, that God has a capital G. Man, we've got so many little letter gods in our life, but let me go on. Call upon your God. If so be, God will think upon us that we, we do not perish. And they said, every man to his fellow, come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. I don't have to cast lots and know who to blame. I already know who to blame. I don't cast lots. I just blame them. <laughs> Let's cast lots and see why this evil is here. And the lot fell on, guess who? Jonah. Then they said to Jonah, tell us, for whose cause this evil has come upon us? Why is this happening to us? Do you ever ask, why is this happening to me? You. <laughs> What's your occupation? Where are you coming from? What's your country? Well, whose people are you? They're interviewing him. Don't even give the man time to answer. And he said, I am a Hebrew. Uh-oh. I fear the Lord, the God, the big G-O-D of heaven, who has made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said to him, why have you done this? There's nothing, nothing worse than a bunch of heathens serving little, little bitty gods that start with a little G, telling people that serve a big G, why are you going through this? My favorite is, okay, preacher. Don't call me a preacher when I'm in a storm. I'm a preacher, but I'm in a storm, and preachers have stuff just like y'all. Preacher, man, if you, uh, I, I knew a man one time. Uh, in fact, I dreamed about him. I had all kind of dreams last night. I dreamed about this dude. I guess it came to my mind. But I, I used to pastor a man that, that, that thought every time that you got sick, you had sin in your life. And his favorite clause was, sin will make you sick. I'd be up preaching, and I, I, I would sneeze. You know, sometimes I have to do that, and I'd hear him, sin will make you sick. <laughs> I'll just leave that story right there. <laughs> why, why, why is this happening? You, 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 you serve a God. Why did you do this? Why did you do this? Then they said to him, he said, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm running from God. <laughs> I'm done. I'm finished. He asked me to do something I don't want to do. I'm out of here. I'm done. And he's not going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. He's just going to say, done. You undone. I'm finished. I'm, I'm through. Why? Why did you do this? See, people don't understand. When you're serving a God with a little G, you don't understand that we that serve the God with a big G, we have stuff too. And sometimes we go through stuff with, with, with the big G God to help you with the little G stuff. But then you look at us because we do serve the living God and think, uh, must not be nothing to that living for God thing because look at what they're going through. So this is what happened. He said to them, they said to him, what can we do unto you 
that the sea may come, be calm for us. Because at the end of the day, it's all about me. I'm, I'm tired of the storm. What do I need to do? Can I get you a cup of coffee to eat? Can I get you anything to drink? What can I do for you so that my life would be better? That's what the world is really looking for. What can they do for us to make their life? At the end, it's all about me. What can we do for you to help my life get better? And Jonah said, well, all you can do is take me up and cast me into the sea. And when you cast me into the sea, I'm your problem. You get rid of me, the problem's over. There's so many people now that are struggling with situations in life, and even some in this building, some that are watching online, you think that if people can get rid of you, that their problems will be over. Oh, but there is a merciful God that says, I'm not done with you. I'm not through with you. you they can put you wherever they want to put you, but I am not. And, and the men say, hey, we, we, can't, we, can't, we can't do that. But the sea would not calm down until they took Jonah up and cast him into the sea. And immediately about midair, here goes Jonah. And the sea is peaceful. Wow. Now, don't throw somebody overboard every time you're in a storm, all right? But as I thought about that, I thought about how God, we, we, we preach this about Jonah, and I became so overwhelmed that Jonah was saved. God is no respecter of people or persons, as the King James says. And while Jonah was being restored by God, those other people were mourning their losses of stuff. Now, people are always more important than stuff. But while he was being restored to his place in God, they were having to recover from their losses. The Lord sent me here to tell somebody today that you're having a hard time dealing with God will let somebody else be restored. Look what God is doing in their life. It looks like, look at all they've done, and now I am also an innocent victim here, and look at all that I lost. What about me? How do you handle the shape you're in because of the ship you're in? The last verse of chapter 1 says that God prepared a great fish for Jonah. I was with a couple of my grandkids this week. We came early and came to SeaWorld, and I saw those big killer whales, and I was amazed. And I, I knew what I was preaching this weekend, and I thought, y'all swallowed one of my boys. That's your family. And Jonah swallowed, was swallowed by a big fish. But while he was being restored, these other guys were dealing with, what do I do now to recover? I lost something in this process. I lost heirlooms. I lost love letters. I lost my clothes. I lost the shirt off my back. I, lost, I threw everything away. Jonah went overboard, literally, but so did all their stuff. So if God will restore him, how's he going to restore my stuff that I lost? Think about it with me. I wonder if, if the whale swam by some of their life savings. What they lost financially, I wonder if the whale that had Jonah, Jonah was in that submarine. And here comes heirlooms. The heirlooms were never recovered, but Jonah was. Now, I'm glad that God, I'm thinking like them, I'm glad that God spared his life, but what about my stuff? I don't think I can make it without my stuff. 
all my stuff is there. Whether it's a church member or family member, our actions often put others into jeopardy. All of our decisions impact people for the rest of their life. One day I tried to calculate my personal losses. <laughs> and I didn't have enough gigabyte, megabyte, or any other kind of byte to calculate things that I've lost. The things that I've had to throw out of my ship, I should be able to be on a cruise ship. Do you ever wonder why sometimes at this stage of your life, I'm supposed to be on a cruise ship and I'm still on a battleship? I, I, thought, I thought by now that life would be so easy peasy. I thought by now all these things that I dreamed of when I was a kid, everything would fall into place. Things don't really fall into place. You have to fall on your knees at every stage of life that you're at. And, but I realize that I'm a product of the shape I'm in today is because of the ship I was in during all the time that got me here. I, I quoted a verse earlier. Psalm 51.5 says, Behold, I was shaped in iniquity. I shared this verse with the team before service. I was shaped in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. I hear people tell me all the time, well, I was born that way. There's a simple response for that. Okay, get born again this way. Jesus said, except you're born again. You can't, all of us had to be born again. So I'm not going to argue with you about being born a certain way. That's not my, that's not my battle to fight. Because even though I was born this way, I had to be born again by the water and of the Spirit. And once you're born again by the water and the Spirit, doesn't matter how you were born any other way, you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things passed away and all things become new. But, but I looked at this verse and, and uh, in sin, my mother con did conceive me. I was born in sin, but I was shaped by iniquity. We shape our lives by our environment and who we hang around and what we do. And these guys were shaped by the iniquity. You don't get over a story like this. They were shaped by the iniquity of a backslid preacher. And they got to look at that preacher. If that's what ministry is about, if that's what God's all about, I lost everything I had. I ain't going back. I'm done. How do, how do they recover from this? They were shaped by this. This is a story they told the rest of their life. This is a story they told their children and their children's children. Everybody knew you would never believe what happened. And the whales even had a story. They were talking about the one that got away. They were. We don't really know a lot about these other guys, except they lost. And I, as, as someone who's lost things in life before, I don't want to dwell on it because I've, I've gained more than I've ever lost. I mean, th th hey, there's good news when I get to the rest of the story. But until then, think with me for a moment because some of you are in a storm and you've been blaming everybody. Mm hmm. It's you. It's you. It's you. It's you. And while everybody doesn't always comply to what I think they should. At the end of the day, I have to stop and think, okay, God, what role did I play in this? Help me with my role that I won't do that again. So Jonah had, Jonah actually had blood on his hands of, of other people that lost their stuff. They were shaped by his iniquity. There's no greater story in the Bible. We just celebrated Easter. 
the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Oh, I love that resurrection story. But from a human perspective, looking at this through the lens of the loss of others, it seems ironic to me that Jesus would use an analogy about the resurrection and mention Jonah. Now think with me for a moment. You're not Jonah. You're the other family members that's heard the story about Jonah and the whale. And you know what you lost. And you're still held grudges in your life because of what your great-great-great-great-great-grandparents lost. And you still blame. You still blame Jonah. And Jesus comes on. I like that man, Jesus. But Jesus is about to tick some people off. Because he's going to say in Matthew 12, 38, then certain of the scribes and the Pharisees answered, said, Master, we want to see a sign from you. We want you to show us a sign. And Jesus answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. And there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. Uh oh. You're bringing up a touchy subject, Jesus. Did you know that my great, 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 great Paul was on the boat with him too? And, and we call him a backslid preacher, and you're calling him a prophet. How dare you to call Jonah a prophet? Because for me, it wasn't a prophet, it was a loss. <laughs> that wasn't in my note. It just happens to me. Somebody asked me one day, see, you're going to get the book now. Hey, you need to read that book all the way through. Somebody asked me one day, where do you come up with all this stuff? And I say, I always give Jesus the credit, but usually he says, oh, no, no, you can have it. <laughs> okay, back to being serious now. Jesus called Jonah a prophet. I've come to tell somebody, no matter what's happened and the shape you're in because of the ship you're in, that the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance, and God still looks at you through the lens of what he calls you to do. Even though we've sinned and come short of the glory of God, God still calls you by what he called you to do. And you cannot live your life in guilt and frustration of the other people that you impacted and infected and affected. All you can do is say, you know what? I'm forgiven and I'm moving on. I'm going on and being the person that God has called me to be. He still calls you a prophet, a pastor, an evangelist, a teacher, and a child of God. And by the way, you're called to be saints. You're not, I'm just a saint. You're called to be a saint. You're just as called to be a saint as he's called to be a pastor. But God's giftings and callings, he does not repent over. He does not take it back. And he called the prophet Jonas. And he said, the sign, you got to get this, the sign of my resurrection power is a prophet that ran from me and he was in the belly of a whale three days. I'm going to be in the belly of hell for three days, but I'm going to rise again. And Jesus and Jonah are going to get up. Hallelujah. And the men of Nineveh is going to rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, a greater than Jonah is here. Now, look, it's okay that Nineveh repented because Jonah finally got it right. I love this story. I, I love the prayer of Jonah. I love the fact that he was beating on the belly of a fish praying. I wasn't even going to get into this today, but what time is it? Oh, it's still the same day. Uh, 
I wasn't even going to get into this, but can you imagine? We call it the belly of a whale. You know what Jonah called it? The belly of hell. It rhymes. We said Jonah was in the belly of a whale. He said, no, I'll read it when you get home, please. He said, out of the belly of hell cried I. I mean, he went, he went down. He went down to Joppa, went down in a ship, and kept going down, but the boy didn't know what going down was. He was down, 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 and he was in that, he was in that belly of the fish praying. He said, yet will I look again? I'm telling somebody, look again toward Jerusalem. Well, I'm, I'm in the belly of hell, and I don't know which way Jerusalem is. So what you do, it, it's, you don't know which way he's swimming because you, you lost your compass down here. And you're in the middle of a bunch of guts. I know what I've been doing. I've been regurgitating. Because i got a very weak stomach. I know you're thinking, how can something that, that big be that weak? But it is. But he was praying. I'm going to look again. Lord, I've sinned. Oh, God loves it when you repent. we got too many people repeating prayers and not repenting of sins. He never said repeat and be baptized. He said to repent and be baptized. You can't be saved if you can't be sorry. You've got to be sorry for what you've done. And he was repenting. I'll look toward Jerusalem. Which way is it? I don't know, but I'm going to look toward. I don't know, but I don't know which way it is. I'm in the belly of hell right now, but I'm going to look again, and I'm going to pray until God hears my cry and attends to my prayer. And even though he was backslid and rebellious, he was mentioned in the greatest event of all time. So listen, if God, you got to get this, if God will forgive the person that was in the ship with you, that's got you in the shape you're in, you've got to get the same kind of forgiveness and repentance and forgive them and move on with your life. <laughs> Hallelujah. How did the family's members react to this story? Well, I'll tell you, Micah 7, 19 says, he will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities. Wait, wait, well, I'm shaped by iniquities of mine and others. And he will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Hebrews 8, 12, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. Anybody besides me thankful that God has been merciful to my unrighteousness? Are you glad His mercy's made new every morning? Now, just because His mercy's new every morning don't mean you're supposed to sin every night. But if you do, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And you don't live. There is therefore now no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. He will cast all their sins and their, be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Hebrews 10, 17. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. God has already forgot what you did. Stop reminding him. Stop repenting over the same thing that you repented over for the last seven years. That's not who you are now. That's who you were. God doesn't remember. Oh, people do. Yeah, I remember when you were a little heathen. And I'm thinking... And I'm remembering now that you're a big one. Because your big heathen self is talking about my, my old little heathen self. But you have to break that under subjection to the cross. To zip that lip. But I was thinking about the sea. I was thinking about the sea. The stuff 
you got to get this. The stuff that the guys lost in the sea was drowned in the same sea that Jonah's sins were drowned in if God throws it in the sea. Why don't you just let everything that's been in the sea stay in the sea and just say, Lord, I see. <laughs> just, just don't even wave bye, bye, Felicia, whoever you are. I've just heard that. I don't know what that's from, so if it's something bad, let me know. <laughs> I don't even know. I just heard, I've heard my kids say it. I have a feeling that some of y'all ought to already be in the altar, but we'll go on. Bye. See, see, some of y'all are still standing over. I've got to get somewhere, but a few years ago, my son and I, my son and I went to the Grand Canyon. The Grand Canyon is grand for a reason. It's kind of like grandkids. We were down to that Grand Canyon. This is not my notes, but it's okay. It's still, I, I'm almost there. They're doing a countdown. Devil is a lie. No. <laughs> we were in the, at the Grand Canyon. At that time, at that time uh, I, I raised my son to be a runner. He turned out to be a marathoner. And I'm still a 5K guy in a marathon world. Now I'm trying to get around the block. <laughs> uh, but at that time, I, I was in my early 50s. And I know y'all think, wow, I thought you were in your 40s now. But it's okay, really. It's, it's just clean living. But we went to the Grand Canyon. And we looked down, and it was beautiful. But we decided to go down. We looked at signs of how long it would take us to go that far down. We, went, we only went halfway. He's since gone rim to rim. God bless him. I'm glad I wasn't rimming with him. But we, we, we read the signs. I was in the best shape of my life in my early 50s, and he was, would have been in his uh, early 20s, uh, somewhere in there, mid-20s. And we looked at the signs that said how long it would take us to go down and back. We said, I'm in shape. I lied to myself. Because we got halfway down, and I will tell you, it was the most majestic thing that I've ever witnessed in my life. In fact, while, while we were there, I was looking. We were on our way back up, and a lady said, we, we stopped at a little rest area. He needed to. He was, you know, I was fine. I, I, I was ready to go on. Except I was in my 50s, and I had to be at the rest area. But anyway, that's, that's too much information. But, but Pastor Lowe, a lady made a statement to me that changed my life. She said, the average tourist comes to the Grand Canyon, spends 45 minutes. They look over the rim and say, wow. They take selfies. Don't back up too far. They're taking pictures. They're taking selfies. And the rest of their life, you know what they say? I've been to the Grand Canyon. She made a statement that changed my life. But she said, They'd never been in the Grand Canyon. I said, come on, girl, you just helped my Sunday out a whole lot. And I, I developed a sermon, I've been to, but I'm coming in. A lot of people have come to Christ but never got in Christ. They come to church but never get in church. But God says, I, I, I want to take you into a place that you've never been. But in order for God to take you into a place that you've never been, you've got to say goodbye. 
don't, don't, no, don't even say bye. And I'm not going to say police. Don't, don't even say bye. Just, just, just get out of there and say, you know what? It's part of my past. And as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us, here we go. You've got to get over all the stuff that you've lost in your life. You've got to get over it. Paul said in Philippians 3, though I might also have confidence in the flesh. Wait, I really am getting close. But we don't like it when people say, well, just get over it. Well, we don't mean to be rude by that. When I was coming up, pastors had the easiest job in the world because we were Pentecostal and we had a pat answer for every problem. You just need to pray through. What else? That's it. Pray through. Pray through what? All the junk you. But the older I got, I was Pentecostal and I was speaking tongues, and, but there's times I couldn't pray through. But then I read in the Bible a scripture that I'd misinterpreted for years. It says that the Spirit prays through us with groanings that cannot be uttered. I can't pray through sometimes, but the Spirit can pray through me. And when I don't know what to say and I don't know what to pray, I say, Holy Spirit, pray through me because I don't know where to go. I don't know where to turn. I'm upset. Pray through me. Paul said, though I have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinks that he has my trust in the flesh, I'm more. And he gives his pedigree. But then he says in verse 7, what things were gained to me, those I kind of lost for Christ. The things I lost on that ship, the people with Jonah should say, it taught me a lesson. I'm, I'm going to tell you something so good in just a minute. I'm almost there. But it's loss. I cannot lose. I can honestly tell you as a 60-year-old man today, there's things that I've been through in my life that I thought was unfair, and I didn't know if I would make it or not. I would listen to Christian praise music, which you should listen to, and say, God, I need you. But I'll go ahead and confess to you on, on some of my down days. I listen to Merle Haggard. If we make it through December, everything's going to be all right, I know. Then I put it back on. I'm going to see your victory if I make it through December. That's what our life does, y'all. The things that were gained to me, those I kind of lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss. I count all things loss. Why? For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. Nothing that I've been through can compare to what I'm going to. Hallelujah. And I don't just have to make it through December. i got to make it to the end of this life. And when this life is over and I see Jesus face to face, the things that I've been through in this life are not worthy to be compared with the glory that waits for me over there. I count all things but loss. I've suffered the loss of all things, and I do count them but dung. You can Google that when you get home, that I may win Christ. Why? And be found in him. Not having my own righteousness. When I lost my stuff, I lost my own stuff. But this is not my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him. Some of you know about him, but you don't know him. Oh, that I may know him. I want to know Jesus in the power of his resurrection. 
Oh, I love that part, power of his resurrection. Woo, 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 woo. But the B part of that is the fellowship of his sufferings. And if you only want the Sunday hype, you better hang around for the Monday hope. Because it's the, the sufferings that make you into the person that you need to be. I'm not going to read any more of that, but here's what I want to tell you as I prepare to close. God is more valuable than all of your stuff. However, God is into restoration. This morning, early, well, late, 7 o'clock after I got up, I couldn't get away from this. Restoration. God said there's going to be people here that needs restoration in their life. But he said, this, this, he spoke this freshly to me this morning. He says, they're praying and they think restoration is God giving back to them what they've lost. And he says, some things you don't need back. We pray, God, restore to me the things that I've lost. You may not need that anymore. That, that was part of your storm. That was part of what you went through. There are things in my life that God has given me restoration, but the things that caused the junk, I don't need that anymore. I hope and pray to God I never, ever go through that again. So listen to this. Restoration is not giving you back what you lost in your past. It's him giving you more in the future than you can ever imagine. Hallelujah. Stop praying for God to restore something that you lost and start praying that he restores to you whatever he's got for you. And I promise you, what he's got now for you is so much better than what you had then and what you lost. Joel 2.25 says, I will restore to you the Anybody know this verse? Years. I will restore to you the years. God doesn't always restore things that you lost, but he gives you strength and restores years to your life for you to enjoy your future like you couldn't enjoy your past. What a mighty God we serve. Restoration is in this house today. And God says, I will restore to you the years that the canker worm, the palmer worm, the caterpillar, my great arm, the locust, the canker worm, the caterpillar, and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. See, God had his hand on even what you were going through. And God says, now I'm going to restore you. How does that happen? You've got to forgive the Jonas in your life. <laughs> I know. Oh, God, do I know. And that's so hard to do. That's so hard to do. But you've got to forgive the Jonas. Because that the things that have happened, the Apostle Paul said, happened for the furtherance of the gospel. If Jonah hadn't have done that, I'd still be on a ship going somewhere, and my life would be monotonous and a routine. But because I saw the love of God in a man, and God restored a man by the name of Jonah, what I lost doesn't matter anymore because who I am in Christ you got to forgive the Jonas. Listen to this. It would be a shame for God to restore the people in your life that caused you the, sh the pain and for you to hold a grudge of what they did and be lost. God forgave Jonah, and you're in worse shape than Jonah was in because you won't forgive Jonah. 
you have to get it to a point where you do what God does. I close with Mark 4. Jesus was in a ship too. He sent away the multitude and took him even as he was in the ship. There's a sermon there for you preachers. He took him even as he was. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind. And the waves beat against the ship. And it was now full. There's water in the boat. And Jesus was in the hinder part of the ship. Asleep on a pillow. Jesus and Jonah likes to sleep on boats. In storms. And they did just like the other, the disciples did just like the other guys did. They woke him up. And having a pity party. Feeling sorry for themselves because they was having to go through so much. And they said, Master, do you not care? If somebody starts a conversation like that, Oh, it gets on my last nerve. Don't you care? I want, and don't you care that I'm tired and I need some rest? I've been putting up with y'all for three years now. Don't you care that we're about to perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace. Be still. He did, you got to get this. He didn't respond to their negativity at this point. First of all, he spoke to the situation. He shows you he cares by speaking peace to whatever the storm is. He rebuked the wind, and the wind ceased, and there was a, a great calm. I feel in this service this morning that there's a great peace and a great calm that God sent me here for somebody's life. You're in a storm. You've lost so much. Count it all dunk. Count it a lesson. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so fearful? Because I'm scared of storms. Why are you so fearful? I, I want to ask you that. Why? Well, I, I'm afraid of what people's going to say. I'm afraid about what my kids are thinking. No, whatever your excuse is, stop being fearful. Why is it that you have no faith? Verse 40, why are you so fearful? Verse 41, and they feared exceedingly. I'm going to close this message and tell you that I have met a few people that they're more comfortable with chaos than they are calm. Some people, if they don't have a storm in their life, they're going to create one. But I'm at an age, I'm ready to live with peace. 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 And peace is what, the only thing that passes understanding. I will tell you right now, there's so much in my life I do not understand. But I also know this. When understanding is doing 55, peace is doing 65. Peace will pass your understanding. And if you would just say, God, today, I need a calm in my life. 
Lord, I'm in bad shape. I, I will tell you, I've, I've been in bad shape. Over the past 20 years, I've, I've, been, I've had things happen in my life that shaped me and shook me to my core. But I never lost my faith in God. Lost a lot. But God has brought calm in my chaos, and he'll do the same.